live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. This is the NAI Ball Podcast, Season 7, Episode 3. I am your host, Tyler Norris. And I'm your co-host, Taylor Thomas. So, Taylor, obviously we're coming off the Cajun Collision. Both of us, all three of us, actually, me, you, and Connor made the trip down there. Quite the experience, I'd say, although it was cut short due to weather, unfortunately, which we did have the pleasure of actually experiencing. I know all of us were very, very skeptical on whether or not the weather would actually hit, but we got to see it firsthand. But regardless, we still got two days of baseball down there in Sterlington. How did you enjoy the week down there? Yeah, for it being my my second time down there now, first as a fan in 2022, and, and now obviously getting the privilege to cover the great event. Um, I mean, it, it exceeded expectations yet again. I mean, huge shout out goes to Coach Neffendorf and LSU Shreveport and the Stonington Sports Complex for, for working around that weather, navigating, of course, with, with all the 18 teams there as well, throwing their schedules for a loop. Uh, it really turned out to be a great two days of baseball, even though we wish we could have gotten the entire four in, of course. Um, but over those two days, I mean, it was incredible. You had like postseason atmospheres. I mean, almost we had no hitters taken deep in the game. We had guys have multi-homer games. I mean, baseball is truly back and, and the Cajun put on a great, great event yet again. Like you said, big shout out to Coach Neffendorf down at LSUS for really managing to put this thing together when the odds were really stacked against him with the weather. So big shout out to Coach Neff down there at Shreveport, putting on another great Cajun collision. I loved it down there. That is now my third time being there, first time as a spectator. But I will say that the experience was just as enjoyable. I got to interact with a lot of different coaches. If you saw the um, the YouTube interviews we did, I think we posted them on Instagram as well. Didn't talk to a lot of different coaches, a lot of players. That was probably my the most enjoyable part for me was getting to interact with the players. Um, that was I loved it down there. It was a fantastic experience, and I cannot wait for next year. A lot of high quality baseball too, like you said. I would like to highlight some teams who really stood out to us and who really shined in the spotlight down there in those two days in Sterlington. Starting off, none other than Georgia Gwinnett, obviously Taylor going two and zero mowing down their competition in Sterlington. Yeah, absolutely. And in that, that first game, too, that we got, you know, is one of the the ones we highlighted in last week's episode of um, Georgia Gwinnett and Central Methodist, of course, going at it in the, uh, the 2021 National Championship rematch. And like you said, they were dominant. The Grizzlies were throughout their two games, both against uh, Central Methodist and, and Missouri Baptist. I mean, Tyler Clayton in that game against Central Methodist was was lights out. I mean, a complete game, seven hit or seven innings pitch, excuse me, four hits, 14 strikeouts against a really, really potent Central Methodist lineup. I mean, shut them down all day. And then going into the Missouri Baptist game, too, as well, jumped on them early, 12 to one, I believe it was there in the second inning. Uh, it was really, really quick and apparent yet again that the Grizzlies are are ranked number two in the country for a reason and um, have their sights set on a return trip to Lewiston. And they did that and they proved that against top teams yet again here over this past weekend. It was an absolute pleasure getting to see the Grizz gang live in action. I've only ever seen them from my computer and or TV. So getting to see them live was very cool to see. Coach Sheets has quite the team over at Gwinnett. And for those of you who may have missed it, we also did have the pleasure of presenting Outfielder A.J. Sapkowski with his NAI Ball Player of the Year Award presented by the Lou Brock Foundation um, before their game against Missouri Baptist. And that was quite the scene. I know we got a picture with the team, but it, you could just tell the excitement from his teammates for that award, and it really meant a lot to him. So that was a really cool experience for us, as I'm sure it was for the entire Georgia Gwinnett staff. Another team, Taylor, that really kind of jumped out to me this weekend was uh, the Lions of Freed Hardeman going two and one. Yeah, same here. I mean, Freed Hardeman, some of some of the best uh, conversations we had, I'd say all weekend too, of course, but, but on the baseball diamond, uh, they showed yet again why, I mean, they're one of the perennial playoff contenders here in the NAI coming in ranked 25th and uh, really putting on and put on a great performance. I mean, Houston high, I mean, you did that great interview with him um, after their win. Uh, five innings pitch, nine strikeouts, uh, shutout ball too. Um, and then going into uh, that St. Thomas game, even the one, the one they dropped, I mean, going up against an arm like Juan Polio, I mean, that's going to be tough, tough regardless. But uh, Jordan Carter was a guy that stood out to me as well. He's a freshman 
And I believe he's hitting over 400 right now uh, to start his college career off. They, he was actually, I believe, one off of the cycle in his first collegiate game uh, this past weekend. And I, you saw that, too, yet again. I mean, Colton Hunt's been a name for them for a while now, too. He impressed. Uh, Freed Harpin overall is, is, yet again, they've reloaded. And I, I expect big things from the Lions this year uh, yet again. Freed Harpin is definitely going to be a team to keep an eye out throughout the course of the season. And, yeah. Getting to talk with Houston High post game after his fantastic outing was awesome. I couldn't have asked for a better interview. Absolute pleasure getting to talk to Houston. Big shout out to Houston High down there in Freed Hardeman. Uh, obviously, this one's going to come to no surprise as a standout team at the tournament. The Pilots of Shreveport. I know we talked early on, I believe episode one, how they early struggles, but it seems like they have found their stride. They go undefeated again, Sterlington at the Cajun Collision, going a perfect 4 and 0. Yeah, yet again, I mean, they're now sitting at a, at a Sterlington record, I believe, of 15-1 and one, um, over the history of that event there. And and yet again, I mean, Shreveport, we reset it on that first episode there after they dropped that game to Mackey. Uh, they were they, they kind of underperformed a little bit in that game. I'm sure Coach Neffendorf will tell you that too as well. And and they've been on a mission really ever since, going, going 4-0 like they did over the tournament here. And talking about that St. Thomas game individually, I mean, Isaac Rohde, the Clark transfer uh, with six innings pitched, a really, really great performance there. I believe only two earned runs. And that was an electric atmosphere, no doubt. I mean, those are two um, playoff contenders. Those are two teams with with storied history here in the NAI, both obviously returning to Lewiston uh, often than others. Shreveport looked really good. A.J. Fritz, I mean, he was the Red River Player of the Week. Uh, seven for 11, he drove in five runs, even hit a homer, and then uh, threw four innings, uh, four really strong innings against a really good Oregon Tech team that impressed down here also. Shreveport going 4-0. I mean, they're they're dominant yet again. They're back, and I would obviously look out for them uh, here down the stretch. They they proved it yet again against some great competition all throughout. I mean, Vantrell Reed impressed. Uh, the, the bench impressed. The pitching, the bullpen, it was, it was all around a great performance by Coach Neffendorf and Co. Yeah, the Pilots did look really well, played really well this weekend. Obviously coming off the early struggles, like we had mentioned, but they have found their stride. They flexed their muscle a little bit there. Did have some close games, especially that game four against St. Thomas. That one got a little chippy, but it was very entertaining. Uh, um, ultimately flexing their muscle against the Bobcats there, St. Thomas. Speaking of St. Thomas, I don't think we can make this list of who shined in the Cajun without mentioning St. Thomas. They looked really good this week. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ask me, they might have uh, battled the, the most adversity of any team out there. I mean, coming from Miami Gardens, we, of course, found out um, flying out that Thursday at, at 3 a.m. Uh, from Miami Gardens, Landon Jackson, and then, then driving the rest of the way to Sterlington there and playing that same day against Louisiana Christian, who was a really, really good squad down there again at the Cajun. Uh, that was a good ball game. They jumped on them early, five to nothing. Louisiana Christian came back and tied it. They could have folded right there, but of course, ended up winning that game, eight to five. And like you had mentioned, that game against Shreveport, that was one of the most electric atmospheres I've been in in a long, long time. And it's hard to get that anywhere else but the Cajun collision here in early February. That was an incredible ball game. Really could have gone either way. Uh, Shreveport just made a few more pitches and uh, had a few more clutch hits there early on and rode that momentum through Isaac Rohde and. Uh, that was, once again, both two teams, they really, really impressed for sure. And uh, St. Thomas, they're knocking on the door of the top 25. I would I would probably expect them, uh, once that first poll comes out here in a few weeks, to uh, to make a, a pretty decent-sized jump should they continue their strong play. I would absolutely have to agree with you. I do see St. Thomas kind of making the jump into that top 25 once the first official poll comes out. They have a lot of good players, a lot of exciting players to watch. I know one you mentioned earlier, Juan Polo, I believe, You'll have to correct me on this, but his fastball was up to 96. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but yeah, watching, they have a lot of flamethrowers in that bullpen, and they have some competitive hitters in that lineup, guys that are really going to grind out at bats, along with some really strong power bats in that lineup, too, that St. Thomas team just looked fantastic this weekend. They did not struggle at all. Just that close game against Shreveport, but that one really could have gone either way. An electric, an electric game, one you should not have missed, one probably one of my games of the tournament for sure so we obviously have teams who shined but on the other hand there were there there was a few teams that did not turn out so hot in the cajun 
I think one of them we have to mention is the Drovers of USAO. They dropped two games. They only got two games in. They dropped both of them. Yeah, the Drovers definitely, uh, I would say, underperformed um, going down here this weekend uh, from the Sooner Athletic Conference, of course. Uh, in that game against Brian, too, kind of just got away from him, really. Uh, Brian's a really good hitting team with guys guys like Bryson Lofton and, and, and Naparowski there. I mean, that's a really good lineup, too. And it just kind of got away from them early on, and they just couldn't really stack runs back. And then, of course, I mean, you, you go up against LSU Shreveport in, in Louisiana. That's a tough task, especially with an arm like Draven Ziegler that Shreveport rolled out there. He was 92-93 with a really, really good breaking ball all day. Uh, really gave up that one homer to Gunnar Hansen, the two-run shot. Otherwise, he's given up one and run over six innings. Uh, the Drovers, I wouldn't really take too much into account of it. Um, we'll see how they look coming out this next weekend. I think they'll be just fine. Um, but going up against Shreveport, like like we had mentioned, that's just a tough, tough draw for sure. And then Brian, too. I mean, but the Drovers and under, under Tyler Hankins, I I think that they'll right the ship. I think that they'll come out focused this weekend. Um, see if we can see a different uh, different ball team uh, coming out here this next weekend. Uh, tough tough performance, but also like we had said, um, really for all these teams too, just a, a tough Cajun collision overall. You had a lot of talented squads. No, on paper that the score between Brian and USAO did look a little bit lopsided, but I believe it was actually a much closer game than it yeah. show. I believe the difference was a three run home run by Brian that ultimately kind of stretched it to that five run lead. Like you said, USAO gonna looking to right the ship. They will have a tough matchup as we will get into that a little bit later against the number seven Bruins of Bellevue going down to Chickasha, Oklahoma to face off against the Drovers. Taylor, a team that struggled this weekend that really surprised me. I was not expecting to see this was the number 18 ranked Mobile Rams going 0-4. Yeah, Mobile coming in, like you had said, uh, ranked 18th there. Uh, really kind of just got tough ball games throughout the tournament. I mean, you think about the uh, the two-to-one loss to Louisiana Christian. That's just a great pitching performance by two great arms um, from Louisiana Christian, honestly, to me. And, um, and Trey Watson, too, even in that start, uh, 11Ks, ended up getting a loss there. But uh, through all seven innings, through really, really well, too. And then that Sagu game, of course, uh, we had the the Dom Padilla walk off home run there in the ninth. That was that could have been one of the best games of the tournament as well. I mean, you had Sagu with a uh, with a lead there in the seventh. Of course, Mobile comes back to tie it. Sagu ties it um, back and forth up until the ninth until that homer by Padilla. Um, but really, the, just those just that weekend. I mean, it kind of it's kind of a gut punch really when you lose those two co- close games like that, and they just couldn't really rebound. But you kind of have to tip your hat there. I would say. I'm holding a team like Mobile to one run over seven innings. Shout out to Louisiana Christian for sure. Mobile here in the Southern States as conference play gets started. Uh, we'll see if they can turn things around and what is going to be a tough conference down in the Southern States yet again. Yeah, that that conference is going to be one to watch out for. A lot of tough teams down there. Taylor, another team that dropped four games this weekend was Texas A&M, Texarkana. Yeah, and Texarkana too. Um, even did play some some close ball games there. That one with um, with Loyola there at the end uh, was a really good one. You had Nathan Monso for Loyola come in and and slam the door there in a three to two win. I mean, Jake Mills hits that RBI in the top of the seventh, and Texarkana lets that game slip away. Still had some really good performances um, individually, I would say, throughout that tournament. Texarkana is a is a team that can sneak up on some people in the Red River, of course, with that being somewhat of a top heavy conference there with with Shreveport being a perennial top 10 team. Um, but Texarkana, I think, I think coach Jones and co will, will be able to turn this thing around in the red river. Um, kind of have to take into account, like I said, with all these teams, it's just a really talented field of 18 teams that we had here at the Cajun over on and Texarkana when a couple plo- uh, co- close ball games go the other way. I mean, they're looking at a two and two record and taking some positive out of the weekend, but we'll see if they can rebound yet again here in the red river. Much like Mobile, they were in a lot of the games they played, just didn't really go their way. Speaking of teams that were in their games for majority of the time, Georgetown, they go 0-3. I know they were competitive in every of every one of those games, especially against Mac U. I believe they dropped that one by a score of 2-1. to one. And Trevor Baker for Georgetown, he was arving through that Mac U lineup ultimately until there was a home run hit that ultimately became the decider, but I believe he struck out nine Mac U hitters through six innings and 
believe he had a shutout going through going into the sixth yeah absolutely baker was a guy that stood out to us last week in that that 10k performance um against shawnee state and an arm that we had wanted to see live uh, coming into this tournament and he impressed like you said and that's a really good macu lineup uh macu of course uh taking down uh missouri baptist going two and on the weekend here uh, that's a really good ball club and georgetown like you said was right there with him on all three of their games really uh, Baker, six innings, five hits, That just that one home run that ended up tying that game there in the six. And then, of course, Matthew goes on to win that game. Uh, but George, uh, Justin Starkey looked good at the plate, too. I think the, the Georgetown team um, out of Kentucky is, is a team that I would say wouldn't be really on people's radars before this weekend here at the Cajun. But despite going 0-3, I think that they've kind of surprised a lot of people as they uh, make their return trip to Kentucky and get into conference play later on in the season. Yeah, I definitely think that Georgetown squad has a lot of upside, a lot of potential. We got to see it firsthand. They got a lot of good arms down there, too. Really good guys. Uh, definitely a team to keep an eye on. As far as teams who kind of, you know, surprised us, there were a few. One, I will say, maybe not so much a surprise to other people, but a surprise to me because I had never seen them play live was Loyola. They went a perfect 3-0. and yeah, absolutely. Same here. First time getting to see Loyola alive for, for myself and um, getting to watch an arm like Steven still go to work uh, was really fun. Even even though to to his credit, I mean, that first inning, uh, he gets bases loaded, no outs, and only gives up that one run. Uh, really good damage control by still. And then he kind of mows down the rest of the way through a really good Georgetown lineup. Uh, Georgetown jumped on him early, and then Loyola, the Loyola Bats jumped on the Georgetown pitching right after that, backed up their guy, ended up winning that game 11-4. to That was really impressive. Of course, like we mentioned with the um, the Jake Mills go-ahead RBI in the top of the seventh against Texarkana, and then Nathan Monceau coming out to close the door. Uh, Loyola looked really, really impressive. The Wolfpack looked primed for Coach Kennedy to make another return trip to the postseason and um, surprise the entire country yet again. You know, I really have to say that the fans for Loyola were just absolutely electric. You always knew what field they were playing on. And anytime one of us walked over there, they were always welcoming us. They were loud. They were into it. Big shout out to the fans and parents of Loyola, whoever was there supporting them at the Cajun. You guys did a tremendous job. <laughs> always made the games exciting, even if they weren't necessarily close. Uh, big shout out to the fans down there in Loyola. That was, that was a great time. Uh, another team that we had, circled here maybe not necessarily a surprise team but one we knew needed to have a bounce back weekend and i believe they did just that mac U goes two and oh coming off of that series loss against uhb yeah mac U and the evangels under under coach stanton and and company i mean they they had a rebound weekend if you ever needed one for sure even in that houston victoria series i mean they lose two one-run ball games and a two-run ball game and then you come out here and um, you beat Georgetown, like you said, a really good squad, beating a good arm like Trevor Baker. And then go, following that up with a with a top 10 win, their second top 10 win of the season over the 10th ranked Missouri Baptist Spartans. And it, they were that was a six to three win, but they were up six to one late and really throughout that entire game. And we had the Caden Harris homer that was kind of the dagger shot, if you will. Uh, that was a really, really impressive win. Isaac Baez looked good for Matthew again. Um, Esca Carlos Escoboso coming out of the bullpen three innings with eight Ks, one hit. That was impressive too as well. The Evangels uh, coming into the Sooner Athletic Conference, they have two of the best ones in the country right now, like I said, over the 10th-ranked Mobap Spartans and then the 5th-ranked Shreveport Pilots. And going into Sooner play, they have a lot of momentum, and let's see if they can ride that into what is a tough conference here in year out. That MACU squad gets hot. The Sooner Conference better watch out. They, they have a tough squad once they're when they're playing good ball. They are a tough team to beat. Taylor, another team we had circled here, Louisiana Christian. I think this was one that really jumped out to us. I don't think we really knew quite what to expect from this team, but they did go one and one. They have a victory. They have a two to one win over Mobile, like we had mentioned earlier. And they lost a really close game to St. Thomas by a score of five to eight. That Louisiana Christian squad did look really good this weekend. Yeah, agreed. That that Mobile win was really impressive. They used two arms right there and uh, get a two to one victory against a really good Mobile squad, like we mentioned earlier in the episode. 
and then uh, coming following that back up. I mean, it's a one to one ball game, but they're right there. I mean, with with St. Thomas uh, throughout that entire ball game. Harrison Wax, they did really well at the plate for them. Uh, Louisiana Christian, they they seem to do this. I feel like every year I look at the Cajun. Honestly, um, they come in. They're not really known nationally. I would say um, in a tough Red River Conference. And then they come in and they surprise some folks. And even like we had said, I mean, playing that close game against St. Thomas, who's a, a team that we had, had circled as one of the more impressive ones that we saw all weekend. Louisiana Christian looks really, really good. I mean, throughout as a, as a ball club. And I think that they're going to surprise a lot of people as they um, continue their season. Louisiana Christian, we would obviously go ahead and say that they, they had a tough draw for the matchups that they had here in the Cajun, but they showed out really. They really did. They were competitive. They beat number 18 ring mobile. That Louisiana Christian squad really showed out this weekend. And last but certainly not least, you got to interview the man who hit the walk-off. Sagu goes two and two on the weekend. I've never seen them play live before. I haven't seen a lot of these teams play live before. Basically, anybody outside of the KCAC, I really haven't seen live before. So this was a fantastic experience for me. Getting to see all of these teams that I hear so much about over the years. But Sagu especially with the walk-off. They looked really good this weekend. I was surprised by their caliber of play. Yeah, absolutely. And really that walk-off homer is probably the moment of the tournament, I would say. I mean, like I had said earlier, that's a back-and-forth ball game with Mobile, and you're kind of waiting for someone to play a hero, whether that be on the Mobile side or the Sagu side. And Don Padilla does just that and sends a three-run shot to dead center. I mean, that was – that was an incredible, incredible moment, no doubt. Ethan Knorr, too, on the mound, um, coming 92-93, four innings pitched in that game, uh, really slammed the door there and, and gave Sagu a much, much-needed victory. And then you come out and in your second win, too, beating Texas A&M, Texarkana, but really kind of dominating that game throughout. I mean, it was 9-1, to one, I believe, um, going into the sixth inning there. And Padilla had hit his second homer of the tournament. He ended up going five for 11 um, over that tournament there and and the, the Lions with 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 Hickey on the mound and then Padilla at the plate and like just throughout the bullpen the, the starting I mean this team's really really good you had arms like Ben Bills and Michael Watson the last couple of years that kind of carried them and I would say just overall depth they looked really really impressive and yet another team in the Sooner that if, if like you said with Matthew if they can get hot the, the Sooners are just going to be that much better. There were so many good performances this weekend at the Cajun, both individual and as a team. We would like to inform our listeners that by the time this episode is out and released on all platforms, the Cajun Collision All-Tournament Teams, first and second team, will be released. As well, we would like to announce that the pitcher and hitter of the Cajun Collision will be out on Thursday, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. Taylor, last thing I want to touch on for the Cajun. A little question I so um a question that I posed for us is looking at the Cajun for next year, what are some dream teams that you would like to see? Yeah, that's something we could really really go on and on for hours on him. I mean, of course, Southeastern comes to mind, and they've been there the last two years, weren't able to make the trip out this year in 2024. We'd love to see the fire yet again out there. Um Obviously, we'd love to have Georgia Gwinnett back, uh, seeing them for the first time in person like you as well. I mean, they were they were truly impressive. Tennessee Wesleyan would be a dream team that I would want out there. I mean, really, you could look anywhere in the top 10. And aside from the ones that we already have, you can kind of look right there and, and, and go for it. I mean, Lewis and Clark, you can get some teams out west too, even like a Hope International that we'll touch on later on in the show here. I would say those three, though, without a doubt, Southeastern Tennessee Wesleyan and and Lewis and Clark, if they were to, able to come down there, and, and that would be a dream matchup for sure. Yeah, I definitely think I would love to see Gwinnett back, hopefully get a full four-game slate in. I think they could have a lot of intriguing matchups. I would love to see one, two, and three down there, Southeastern, Gwinnett, and LCSC. I know that's a bit of a trip for LC. As, um, as much as it is for Hope, as you had mentioned, as a team possibly you'd want to see down there. I think if I had to pick one team that I would really want to see compete, it would probably be LC because there is so much good competition, I feel like, in the Cajun that, you know, maybe necessarily West Coast teams don't get to play all that often unless they 
you know, they match up in the World Series or an opening round. So I think dream teams for next year would be to pull teams, if possible, of course. We know this is all hypothetical. We are purely speculating. If we could somehow manage to pull teams from every area, every region, and bring them all together and maybe format, maybe even format the schedule to where, you know, maybe teams like a St. Thomas and Southeastern won't play each other because they're going to be playing each other anyway. We just, you know, I think there are so many different routes we could go as far as this, but I think after the success that Cajun had this year, being only squeezed into two days, I think next year's looking bright. I think we will hopefully get Gournett back. I'm going to really cross my fingers on that. It sounded yeah. like possibly making the trip back. And we would also like, you know, big shout out to our friends over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the entire coverage of the Cajun Collision, sponsoring all of our coverage there. Big shout out to our friends over at Netting Pros. That's going to wrap up the Cajun Collision. What a week. I want to say weekend, but it wasn't necessarily on the weekend, but just a fantastic tournament down there in Sterlington, Louisiana. I am absolutely thrilled for next year's tournament. I cannot wait. Obviously, the Cajun was our big series of the week. But going back, looking at some of the other games that we had circled, Taylor, I would like to start with number 14, Indiana Westland, going up against receiving votes, Cumberland of Tennessee. This was Indiana Westland's opening weekend, and we had a two-game series split. I believe the game um, the second day got canceled. I'm unsure as to why. My guess would probably be weather. But the series looks like it unfolded um, with a game one, 17 to four win in favor of Cumberland, and then IWU managing to bounce back in game two with a five to four win. Yeah, taking that series split there, I mean, it's kind of hard to to really gauge just who was better without that rubber match. But I mean, looking at those, uh, looking at those two scores there, I mean, you you lose game one, 17 to four, um, but you bounce back and and win the next game, five to four. That just kind of shows the mental fortitude of Indiana Wesleyan. It's a team that was, you know, in the World Series last year for good reason. And losing some some key, key bats in the offensive lineup there. Um, they've come out and and they've looked really, really impressive um, for, for losing that amount of production that they did last season. And, I mean, going to the World Series, coming back, and you're a team um, up north there going in against a perennial power like Cumberland out of Tennessee. Uh, that's a really, really good series. And, I, like I said, we I wish we would have gotten to see the rubber match just to see – uh, truly what that series could have been and the potential that it, it could have been. But overall, that's a, it's a really good showing from both ball clubs and uh, two teams that we'll, we're going to look up here at the end of the end of April here, and they're going to be making a push for their conference tournament runs. Cumberland was definitely flirting with a two-game sweep there, I believe. Going into the ninth inning in game two, it was 5-3, to three, and they managed to push one across to bring it to that 5-4 to four deficit. So they definitely showed some fight late. Indiana Westland ultimately prevails in game two and gets back on track, splitting the series with receiving votes. Cumberland out of Tennessee. Speaking of another team who opened up their season this past weekend, number eight, Cumberland's Patriots going up against number 23, Reinhardt. Cumberland's wins this one by a score of seven to five. And much like another Cumberland's game later on that we're going to get into, there were three home runs hit by three different Patriots in this game. Yeah, the, the Patriots yet again look like one of the best lineups in the country, both with, with Max Harper and, and Charlie Muniz back. Uh that and coming into that south that southeast rumble down there. That was another another big time uh matchup that we had had circled on the calendar, both with, with Cumberlands and Reinhardt and then Baker going down there too as well. Uh, but that game re- that you really circled there was that Cumberlands and Reinhardt game. And a seven to five ball game there. Reinhardt's played some really, really tough competition to start the season. I mean, going up against Street Four and then Tabor and then now the number eighth ranked Cumberland's Patriots, um, who were in the World Series last year and uh, didn't have a great showing there, first trip in program history, but they've they've taken that experience and they they came out red hot. And this is a really good win for what I think is gonna be a really, really good ball team yet again, um, coming out of Kentucky. You know, I couldn't have said it better myself. I feel like Reinhardt is definitely putting themselves through the gauntlet early on. We will see if it pays off for them later in the year. This is the one outside of the Cajun that I had circled just because of the caliber of games that were played last year between these two squads. Oklahoma Wesleyan Eagles traveling down to Lakeland to take on the fire of Southeastern. Ultimately, this one, no surprise, goes to the fire with a three-game sweep by scores of 6-5 to five 
13 to 5 and 9 to 5. Yeah, absolutely. The fire, the fire yet again. I mean, what there really doesn't need to be more said about them. I mean, they've they've been dominant to start the season yet again. Even in that six to five ball game, I mean, Darian Smith goes five innings with 10 Ks. And that's a six to one game in the ninth inning. Of course, Oakwoo makes a really, really strong push there. And giving credit to them facing an arm like Smith and still hanging in there. Uh, but even then, the fire, yet again, uh, take down Oakwoo in a sweep. Like you had said last year, this is a really great series last year and a great one yet again. Josh Pagozo has been having a hell of a year out of the leadoff spot, out of center field there. He's one of the more underrated names in that that potent lineup that you see, you know, with, of course, uh, Josh Davis and, and Chase Bryant, Isaac Nunez, Gary Laura, the list goes on and on and on. But Pagozo has really kind of been a key cog in that lineup. I would say not even this year, but last year too. And out of the leadoff spot, if they can keep him rolling, I mean, I mean, look out. It's it's kind of hard to pitch to anyone when when one through nine is just is so talented. Oklahoma Wesleyan definitely put up a fight there in game one, ultimately dropping three games. Taylor, these next two teams only played two games. I believe it was a little round robin they had going on down here, but we had receiving votes Doan going up against receiving votes Columbia of Missouri. Ultimately, both of these games go in favor of Doan by a scores of eight to three and four to two. Taylor, the really the story of this one was the Doan pitching. They only used three pitchers over these fourteen innings of game. Yeah, absolutely. And over the past few years, a team like Doan, you would kind of go straight to thinking about offense um, with the the offense that they've had over the past few seasons. Um, but the pitching, once again, I mean, it showed out. And going up against a Columbia squad, that's a really, really good lineup with with Caden Nicoletto back, uh, the, the stud freshman last year, among others. And to use three arms just in a two-game set there, I mean, that's really, really impressive. Once again, a, a team like Columbia's Nothing to scoff at for sure, and and Doan, like we had, like I mentioned earlier, this is more of an offensive club. Um, if you think about it, just kind of on paper, but looking at this squad overall, it's a really impressive uh, two game sweep here over a team like Columbia that's going to be right there with them as as far as knocking on the door of the top twenty five all season. Doan looked really good. Their pitching really showed out. Um, we had the battle of Arizona down here, Taylor. We had number nineteen venue Mesa going up against receiving votes Arizona Christian. Arizona Christian will ultimately take both of these games by a score, or pardon me, they took two games in a three-game series by a scores of game one victory, four to two, game two win, 11 to four, and they dropped game three by a score of 10 to five. They'll be taking two out of the three from Benu Yeah, and like you said, the battle for Arizona, I feel like these two teams played almost every other weekend. Um, but it's great competition every time they step on the field. Arizona Christian uh, winning those those two games there. That first one was a really close ball game. Um, but kind of putting it to them there in that second game and and flexing their muscles a little bit. I mean, Marcus uh, Titiale has been a name that has really impressed for Arizona Christian over the past few years. Of course, seeing him down at Southeastern last year in the East-West. And now yet again, he's come out red hot and has been one of their best bats for a second straight season. Uh, Arizona Christian – uh, like you, we had mentioned earlier with with Doan and Columbia knocking on the door of the top twenty five there, um, but getting a big time series victory over the nineteenth ranked Ben Mesa Red Hawks. I mean, this is a really good win for Arizona Christian, and I expect big things out of them yet again uh, coming down here on the stretch out of the West Coast. Arizona Christian has had some notable wins already, and much like we said with St. Thomas earlier, I think they are definitely a team that could make the jump into that top twenty five once this first official poll comes out. Taylor, a team we were looking to see if they could bounce back properly was the number seven Bruins of Bellevue, taking on receiving votes Oklahoma City, who has just been surging through their competition. Ultimately, this was a two-game split, game one going in favor of Oklahoma City by a score of seven to five, and then Bellevue bouncing back, flexing their top ten muscle with a seven to one victory. Yeah, Oklahoma City really impressed yet again. It's a really young squad, like we have mentioned, but but the squad seems to be ready for the moment. I mean, having Bellevue come into your place and and splitting with a, a team that's been to the World Series the last two seasons um, under coach Dwayne Monlux, this is a really good matchup. And it's a, it's a matchup that, honestly, if we weren't at the cage, and I probably would have been at. Um, and this young o- Oklahoma City squad, really, really impressive yet again, 7-5 to five there. I mean, Trent Carley 
has been a big time bat for them uh, both last year and this year. Darian Duhon, the newcomer, looks good. Uh, Aiden Alexander out of the leadoff spot in center field, the, the sophomore, has looked really, really impressive. Reese Ratchford yet again, the two way out of the uh, coming out of the pen too, and then the arms like Andrew Limbaugh and company. I mean this. So Oklahoma City team, like we mentioned, this this Sooner Athletic Conference um, just keeps getting better and better and, and more deep year by year by year, it seems. And Oklahoma City is going to be the uh, one of the favorites, if not the favorite yet again. Um, but looking at Bellevue, too, to come back and, and put it to them there, seven to one, and kind of flex your muscles, too. Uh, that what that was more impressive, too, from Bellevue to, to jump right back and and slam the door real quickly and make quick work of the stars there. Like we had said, the stars have been surging. They continue to surge, and this was a great showing by both ball, ball teams. You know, speaking of teams that we were anticipating looking at bouncing back, number nine, Taylor, going up this weekend against number 23, Reinhardt, as well as the number eight-ranked Cumberland Patriots. Taylor would ultimately drop both of these games, losing to Reinhardt four to nothing, and then an eight to five loss against Cumberland, where again, three home runs were hit by three different Patriots in this one. That springs there overall to two and five on the year. Yeah. Tough opening weekend for the Trojans down there in, in Arizona, losing to Ottawa of Arizona, um, that four game series, three games to one, uh, coming back and, and testing themselves yet again at the Southeast rumble uh, with Reinhardt, like we had mentioned earlier, playing a really tough schedule. Reinhardt put it to him. I mean, it's a shutout victory against a, a top 10 team, and that's a win you can hang your hat on there um, at Reinhardt to start the year. And coming right back and going up against Cumberland's, yet again, a close ball game. And like we had mentioned, three different homers uh, by the Patriots there, um, by three different Patriots there in that game. Again, um, an eight, in an eight to five victory ended up being the decider. Uh, the Trojans battle tested themselves a lot more than anyone else in the country. Of course, they're getting into this three game set this coming weekend with Southeastern, the fire uh, ranked number one. Um, but if, if Taylor can't take a few of these games here and then um, go back into a, to crossroads play and strings some wins together, um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough record um, for the crew up there. I think they'll, they'll uh, be just fine, but they're going to have to ride the ship here pretty quickly as, as um, non-conference play continues. Taylor, another team putting themselves through the gauntlet, much like we had mentioned with Brian Hart, obviously, and like you had mentioned, going up against number one fire Southeastern, they are going to be looking to finally get on the right track as they head into conference play. Taylor, we had talked about players from the Cajuns, players from this week. There were a lot of standout performances outside of the Cajuns this week. So we would like to go through our shout outs and mentions for this week, starting off we're going to be starting off with a starting pitcher from the Cajun Collision who had this performance. Loyola starting pitcher Brady Bowen goes six innings, allowing two hits, striking out nine. And Brady took a no-hitter into the sixth against the number 21-ranked Texas Westland Rangers. Our second shout-out to mention would be the University of Pike Hill uh, starting pitcher Riley Parlino. A complete game, nine-inning victory with 11 strikeouts versus Cleary on 133 pitches. I'm only giving up five hits. Big shout-out to Riley. Thomas University starting pitcher, you know, Thomas University off to a hot start this year. So Thomas starting pitcher, A.J. Wydra goes to CG, seven innings pitched, eight hits, one run, one strikeout, and a two-to-one win over the 12th-ranked Warriors of Weber International. Big shout-out to A.J. holding that Weber team to one run. Next, we have Falker starting pitcher Nicholas Graham in the victory against Lindsey Wilson, five innings pitch, 11 Ks, one hit, no walks. Uh, shutout game for uh, for Nicholas Graham. Big shout-out to him. Warner down there in Florida going up against Montreat. We have first baseman John Malcolm. John going 11 for 19, collecting 10 RBIs, as well as four extra base hits in that series. Then Bethel University out of Tennessee starting pitcher Luke Boswell. A seven innings pitch, four hits, no runs, seven Ks versus Calumet. Another performance from the Cajun Collision. Central Methodist outfielder Carlos Negron going six for 11, hitting three bombs down there in Sterlington, as well as two doubles, collecting eight RBIs and swiping four bags. Next, we have Central Bathurst College starting pitcher Josh Albot, the no-hitter versus Dallas Christian. Seven innings pitch, one walk, 10 Ks. And we can't have a shout-out to mention, it seems like, any week without mentioning this guy. Southeastern Fire starting pitcher Darian Smith throwing five innings, striking out 10, only allowing three hits and no runs against the Eagles of Oklahoma West. 
And to round things out for shadow dimensions, we have the University of Rio Grande outfielder Josh Wick um, in the series versus Bruton Parker, seven for 12, two doubles and three RBIs. Big shout out goes to Josh. Big shout out to all those players. And we would like to remind all of you, if you have players in mind that you would like to submit for player of the week, shoot us a DM on Twitter, actually X. Sorry, I need to correct that more often. Shoot us a DM on X or Instagram. Nominate your players who had standout performances from the week. Taylor, that leads us into our NAI ball hitter, pitcher, and team of the week presented by Play in Sports. All of our player of the week awards for the 2024 season are brought to you by our friends over at Play in Sports. They offer fantastic, seamless event management software that programs around the nation trust. Check them out today for your camp or team needs at www.playandsports.com or on X, hit them with a follow at Play and Sports USA today. That's Play and Sports today. So Taylor, without further ado, if you missed the announcements on social media today, we got you right here as always, kicking things off with our NAI ball hitter of the week. It goes to none other than Drew Andrews out of Jessup. Drew went seven for 13, collecting 13 RBIs and hitting four home runs against a four-game set against Corbin. Yeah, and once again, a quick mention, too, about Jessup. I mean, with, with Drew, guys like Drew Andrews and Trey Furry and two, two of our three uh, hitter of the weeks, a team that's hitting 365, uh, be on the lookout for them out of the West Coast. Um, and getting into our pitcher of the week, uh, we have Gabriel Perez at Graceland University. Uh, the no-hitter versus Dakota Wesleyan with seven innings pitch. 11K is only given up one walk. We obviously had two no-hitters this week. Big shout-out to both of those guys. Gabe Perez throwing that no-hitter against Dakota Wesleyan. Just masterful performance out of Gabe Perez there down at Graceland. Without further ado, our NAI ball team of the week goes to the pilots of LSU Shreveport, who once again go undefeated in the Cajun collision, defeating the likes of number 18 Mobile by a score of 6-4. to four. Are receiving votes Oregon Tech squad by a score of four to one. Another receiving vote squad against the Drovers of USAO by a score of eight to four. And finally, capping the weekend off with a four to three victory over the receiving vote St. Thomas Bobcats. Yeah, big time performance yet again by Coach Neffendorf and company. Um, sweeping the Cajun yet again. Uh, 15 and one record, like we had mentioned down there in Sterlington. Uh, the pilots look primed and, and ready to go yet again here in 2024. You know, you really couldn't pick a better team of the week this week, especially coming off of the start that LSUS had, looking to bounce back in a major way. And they were they had some adversity thrown their way down there in the Cajun, and they stood it right in the face and performed when the lights were shining the brightest. Big shout-out to LSUS. Big shout-out to Gabe Perez, and big shout-out to Drew Andrews for taking home our NAI ball hitter, pitcher, and team of the week, presented by our friends over at Play in Sports lot of good games this weekend going on taylor obviously we are past the cajun collision we are slowly creeping up on conference play we do have some conference play kicking off this weekend we'll get into that in just a second the first game we have here has our weekend games and series to watch out for we mentioned this one briefly earlier but we have the number one ranked southeastern fire going up against the trojans of taylor number nine yeah, yet another top 10 opponent uh, for the fire here. Taylor, of course, coming down to Lakeland, Florida to take them on. And this is going to be yet another incredible matchup here, too. Uh, of course, with two World Series teams uh, from last year. Like we had mentioned earlier, Darian Smith is going to get the ball against a really good Taylor lineup. And you got, uh, you're rolling out Lex Garcia and Rob Adams. I mean, we could go on and on and on about the, the fire here. This is one of the this is the best team in the country. I mean, uh, bar none. It's 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 very obvious early on. Uh, they're undefeated for a reason, and they're playing up against some really really tough competition. And it doesn't slow down here for Coach Dinkle and the bunch. Uh, Taylor coming in. This is going to be a really fun series to watch. A top ten matchup yet again in February. It's really hard to find that. Hopefully, Taylor looking to get right back on track. They are going to have a tall task in front of them trying to manage that against the number one ranked fire team. Like I had mentioned previously, there are a few conferences kicking off this week. I will start by mentioning the KCAC conference kicking off this weekend. One game series that should be highlighted in this conference is the number 16th ranked Coyotes of Kansas Westland taking on a formidable foe always in Ottawa, Kansas. 
Yeah, this is one of the one of the series you circled um, throughout the entire KCAC, uh, the whole season really with with Kansas Wesleyan and Ottawa, uh, two perennial powers there, along with the likes of, of McPherson and Tabor, Oklahoma Wesleyan, in a really really tough conference this year. Um, but but Kansas Wesleyan against Ottawa, this is going to be a really really fun matchup to watch with uh, with bats like Jarrett Gable back for Kansas Wesleyan, um, the second team All American last season. He's been one of the best bats in the country to start off 2024. Let's see if he can continue that pace as we get into conference play. Um, Ottawa coming off of that that opening weekend against Southeastern. They've seen the best. Uh, let's see if they can take that and and use what they've learned against a really, really good Kansas Wesleyan squad. It's a squad that was in the opening round uh, title game last year, uh, really making a push yet again in 2024. It should be a really fun series to watch as we start uh, KCAC play and a great conference. I would like to say I do believe this is going to be the series to watch out of the entirety of KCAC games this weekend. We have an Ottawa squad who is always gritty, always grinding out at bats, and they are very much known for their pitching, usually stacked, loaded with pitching, and then you obviously have the high-powered offense of Kansas Westland. I think this has the makings of a really good classic KCAC matchup. going to be a lot of offense. I'm excited to see how this one plays out. I will definitely be tuning in. Another KCAC matchup we have this weekend. Two pretty hot teams to start the year, Taylor. We have the receiving votes Blue Jays of Taylor going up against a pretty good-looking team in Friends. Yeah, yet another KCAC matchup here, too. Like I said, it's going to be one of the most fun conferences to watch, um, top to bottom throughout the entire season. And get into this matchup here with Tabor and Friends. It's going to be a really good, a really fun one, too, for Coach Stanford and Bunch. Uh, Tabor, of course, kind of being that that perennial power along with Oklahoma Wesleyan there in the KCAC. Um, but Tabor, yet again, they've, they've played some some tough competition down there, obviously, with uh, with Reinhardt and LSU Shreveport to start the year. Um, continuing that stretch of, of tough non-conference play that the program has had for so long. Should be a really fun one. And like you had touched on, too, Friends is an up-and-coming team there in the KCAC as well, a team that you really can't look past at all, uh, much like anyone in this conference. It's going to be yet another fun one as, as KCAC conference play kicks off this weekend. A lot of good games going around the KCAC this week, but I do believe that these two are the ones that do deserve to be highlighted the most out of the rest. Another conference that is kicking off play this week is the Southern States Athletic Conference. game I have highlighted here, Taylor, among two of them, we just saw them down in the Cajun receiving votes, Loyola squad going up against Thomas University. We have a Thomas University team that is riding a nine and one record to start the year. But then on the other side, we have Loyola who had a very strong showing at the Cajun foot. Yeah. And to start off um, Southern States play, I mean, this one's, this one's pitting, I mean, two of the top teams right now in that really, really strong conference with, with Thomas, like you said, riding that 9-1 and one start. Big-time series victory at Weber International. Um, it's a Thomas team that's given Weber some problems the last two years, and a Weber team that's really, really good. Uh, riding that 9-1 and one record, going up against the undefeated Loyola Wolfpack. Uh, Coach Kennedy and the bunch, this one's going to be a really, really fun one. And to start off um, – Southern States play. I mean, this could be a potential conference title matchup that we're getting um, in the second weekend in February here. I can't wait to watch this one. I mean, Steven's still on the mound for the Wolfpack. Then you have a really, really fun Thomas offense that took some really close ball games there against Weber. This is a really good pitching team on both sides. Really great pitching matchup, great offensive matchup. Should be one of the best ones to watch throughout the country. Absolutely. You know, Thomas, like I had mentioned, coming on, coming in on a nine and one record. I will be curious to see how how or if they are able to keep up with that Loyola offense that we got to see very much in action down there in the Cajun. And I know we have talked a lot this episode about teams looking to bounce back. Mobile, number 18 ranked Mobile, they have quite the matchup this weekend against a pretty strong showing middle Georgia State team that is receiving votes to start the year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why the Cajun uh, showing was tough for Mobile as they jump right into conference play here in the Southern States going up against a middle Georgia uh, squad that's receiving votes there in the top 25 poll. Uh, if they can get a series victory here, you can look for them to, to jump right into that mix for the top 25 and taking down Mobile, who's uh, been a perennial power the last two seasons there in the Southern States, of course, with, with teams like Faulkner and Loyola as among others. Um, but this, this middle Georgia state squad, I mean, look out if, if Mobile can't write the ship quick, I mean, it could, 
um, it could spell some trouble for for the Rams early on. I think you're going to you're going to see a, a much more focused Mobile team come out um, with kind of their backs against the wall, if you will, if if that even can be said for a team in February. Um, but it's this series right here, it, um, big series for Mobile and big series for Middle Georgia State as as they look to uh, stake their claim at the upper top of the Southern States Conference. Mobile looking to right the ship, as you said. There's not a better week to do it than right now. First week of conference play. Coming off that real gut check of a weekend down there in Louisiana. Let's see if they are able to make it happen against that receiving votes Middle Georgia State squad. Taylor, another conference we have opening up conference play this weekend. This has been a team we have had talked about a lot in our first three episodes. We have two players receiving an all NAI ball player of the week awards we have jessup going up against a surging receiving votes arizona christian team yeah like i had touched on earlier jessup's had two of our three nai ball hitter of the weeks uh thus far in the season uh with with furry and and, and drew andrews here i mean this one's going to be really really fun you have an incredible offensive squad in jessup and a really really good uh pitching squad in arizona christian christian i mean this um in the gsac too like I said, with the, with the Southern States, I mean, these are these are two top dogs there in the GSAC as we start off conference play here. It's going to be a, a high-powered matchup, I think. I think Jessup can continue their their hot offensive pace as they started off for the year, hitting 365 as a squad. This one's going to be a really, really tough test for that Arizona Christian pitching staff. Yeah, this is absolutely quite the matchup to kick off conference play down there in the GSAC. It's going to be a very high-powered, high-offense game in my opinion we will see if i am wrong taylor we mentioned this one earlier in the show we have the number seventh ranked bellevue bruins heading down to chickasha to take on the rovers of usao who are receiving votes this one intrigues me taylor because i do believe that this obviously not a strong showing from the drovers in louisiana but i do feel like they are an incredibly tough team to take down in their home park yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at that McPherson series, they kind of dominated that one in their home park too as well. And then you have a team that USAO beat last year in Bellevue um, in that same ballpark down there in Chickasha, Bill Smith Ballpark. Uh, this one's going to be fun for sure. But let's see if Brian Aru can rebound from his uh, performance at the, at the cage in there. Uh, Gunnar Hansen had a good showing. Of course, Peyton McDowell is going to do Peyton McDowell things um, all throughout. And going up against a really, really good Bellevue squad, a top 10 squad, USAO can right the ship and then some this weekend if, if they can win this series here against the seventh-ranked Bruins. I do think this is really going to be a true test to how, just how good this USAO squad can be this year. Obviously, you got Bellevue coming into their turf, their park, their home field, and they are usually a very, very tough team to beat there. So we will see if they are managed to, if they manage to stick around with the Bruins this weekend. We have a top 25 matchup going down this weekend as well, Taylor, as we have two games on Sunday between these two teams. Number 15, Ave Maria going up against number 21, Texas Wesleyan. Yeah, staying in the, the Sooner Athletic Conference here, I mean, with a team that like Texas Wesleyan that that we we saw great things from they, down there at the Cajun under Coach Garza and Bunch. I mean, Jose Casado in that game against Mobab, five innings with, with 12 strikeouts. I mean, he's going to be an arm to watch throughout the Sooner Athletic Conference play here. Um, and then you have, you know, relievers like Jorge Caraval, the, the all-region guy at Arizona Western last year, coming over to Texas Wesleyan and just dominating in that game against Missouri Baptist. Uh, three innings pitch with five Ks. I mean, perfect innings right there. And they get a really tough test. A team like Ave Maria, like we saw, really impressed out of the East-West. Francesco Barbieri has been a red-hot bat for – Ave Maria to start the season, they come in and they're going to face a really good um, pitching staff there in Texas Wesleyan. This one's going to be really, really fun. Obviously, there are quite a few games you should be on the lookout for this weekend. A lot of good competition riding into this weekend. But Taylor, ultimately, this leads us to our NAI Ball Big Series of the Week presented by the Show Me Collegiate League. The Big Series of the Week is now sponsored by the Show Me Collegiate League based out of Southwest Missouri. We are proud to have them join us for this season, and we encourage you to check them out on X at Show Me League. That's at S H O Me League on X today. Well, Taylor, a lot of good candidates for Big Series of the Week this week, but we had to go with none other than 
Ottawa University of Arizona going up against the 11th ranked Hope International. Yeah, this one's going to be in a really electric atmosphere out west. Of course, you have Ottawa, Arizona with that big time series victory to start the season against Taylor. Coming in at 10 and 1 uh, to this series, and then Hope International um, going out there at the east west. You got arms like like Chaz McWilliams, who we saw strike out 13 out there. Um, of course, Hope International ended up dropping a game later to the number one Southeastern Fire. Uh, but uh, not only Chaz McWilliams on the mound, he's got a 3 3 8 ERA last year, but Tyler Tilton um, over 11 innings is one of them with a 3 2 7 ERA. Uh, Hope International has had a really, really good pitching staff over the past, I'd say, four to five years now in the NAI, and they continue that uh, yet again. But even looking at Ottawa, Arizona, like we said, uh, really put us put us on notice and put the country on notice to start out that year uh, taking down the Taylor Trojans. And it's a guy like – behind a guy like Evan Massey, I mean, 17 and two-thirds, a .51 ERA with 18 strikeouts. Only seven hits in 17 and two-thirds innings, giving up one run. That is just all-American stuff right there from Massey. And then you get into Connor Wilson. I mean, this is a really, really good pitching staff um, for the spirit out of Ottawa, Arizona. And they have a prime opportunity to get yet another big-time series victory over a highly, highly ranked squad here to start the year. Hope International does lead this series all-time by 14 games to two. Coming in against top 25 competition this year, you had just touched on it. We have Ottawa, Arizona with a 3-1 and record against top 25 competition, those three games being against Taylor. And on the other side, we have Hope International, who is 1-2 and two against top 25 competition this year. Going to be quite the matchup. And like you had mentioned with Ottawa, Arizona pitching, there we have quite a few pitchers we can mention here for Hope International starting off. We know Tyler Tilton, 11 innings pitch, 3.27 ERA, 1-0 and on the year. Another one we can mention, Chaz McWilliams, a 3-3-8 ERA, but he does have 22 strikeouts, and he is holding opponents' batting average to 106. And that's just on the pitching side of things. We haven't even talked about the hitters yet, so let's get into it right now. Talking about Ottawa, Arizona hitting right here, we have Nicholas Lustig, who's hit 381 on the year, 15 RBIs. Christian Powell, another guy, Ottawa, Arizona, hit 395 with 12 RBIs, and he does have a home run on the year. I think this is just this has to be big series of the week. We have ten and one squad, Ottawa, Arizona. They have not lost a game since they dropped that one, almost sweeping four games against Taylor. Against Hope International, who has had some tough games to start the year, but ultimately still a really good looking squad. Yeah, absolutely. You said it best there. Ottawa, Arizona is a surging, surging ball club here, looking to ride some momentum uh to start twenty twenty four here. And looking again to put the country on notice. This is a 11th ranked Hope International squad. It's a Hope International squad that was right on the doorstep of Lewiston last year. I'm there in the opening round. And then, of course, two years ago also with, with arms like Hector Garcia, among others, like you had mentioned too, McWilliams has done well to start the year. Tyler Tilton has done well. And then getting to the bats, I mean, J.J. Cruz is hitting 405 uh, for Hope, along with uh, Mario Tostado is hitting 379 with eight RBIs. Cruz, of course, has those two home runs. Uh, this is going to be a really – Really fun matchup out West. And like you had said, big series of the week for a reason. And uh, if you look at this one after this weekend and Ottawa, Arizona gets yet another series win, it's going to be really hard not to to mention them every single week. I mean, this is a surging, surging ball club. And this one's going to be electric. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, that there is our NAI ball big series of the week. Ottawa of Arizona going up against number 11th ranked Hope International going to be quite the series do not miss this one be sure to check out the other games we had mentioned uh, aforementioned before that's going to do it for season seven episode three we would like to thank all of you for tuning in to this week's episode do not forget to follow nai ball on x at nai ball on x you can follow myself on x at tnor46 you can find taylor on x at underscore taylor thomas 14 Thank you to everyone for listening in. Always be sure to follow us on our socials for all your NAI ball, NAI baseball scores, news, and updates. We will see you all next time recapping this big, quite big series of the week against Hope International in Ottawa, Arizona. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day and a better tomorrow.